right, it's the Storm Tracker podcast back in effect here. Miami.rivals.com, canescounty.com. I'm Marcus Benjamin. He is Frank Tucker, and we are going to break down first the fall camp news uh, that we've been getting uh, first, and, and then we'll, we'll go into DBs that are next up for the 2023 class, and then we'll also talk about uh, the next to commit for Miami, and then we'll talk into high school football. But first and foremost, I just want to be, uh, you know, just want to talk about how football is back officially. Uh, football is back this week with high school football. College football will be starting shortly. And then after that, we're going into the NFL. I mean, we were just talking about fantasy football and how, you know, how we're, 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 you know, already scouting for our teams. But uh, Frank, let's, let's talk a little bit about fall camp though. Fall camp has been up and running and, and, and going over there in, Car- in Coral Gables. Our guys, Michael and Anthony Yero has, have been uh, covering uh, what they can for us uh, down there. And then we'll be down there this week and we'll continue to bring coverage from fall camp. But what stood out to you so far about, about uh, fall camp in Miami? I think Xavier Restrepo has to be what stands out for everybody right now. Eight to ten catches in the scrimmage has been a standout at practice on a regular basis. Mario Cristobal said he stood out in front of ten NFL scouts uh, on Monday. So I I think he's got to be the standout, the guy that's really gunning for that wide receiver one spot despite being a slot receiver. He's the leader of the team right now. His relationship with TVD is going to be big going into the year. Uh, I think expectations got to be really high for him with with the hype that's going on in fall camp. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I mean, every time I see X, he's out there balling, just, you know, making making plays, uh, making big catches, tough catches, diving for the ball. Uh, You know, he's just been the same guy that we've always – been seeing since you know he was at St. Thomas for me um so I'm not surprised at all um what I am surprised is at is the fact that there really hasn't been another receiver to really kind of challenge Restrepo as far as wide receiver one is concerned I know Keyshawn Smith is having a great fall camp as well but you kind of figured that he would have a strong camp because he is the most productive receiver coming back from last year. So you kind of figured he would always be in the mix and he certainly is in the mix to be a starter for this wide receiver group. But as after him, it's, 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 uh, you know, it's pretty much, you know, kind of a crapshoot. I mean, as far as who is going to be the third guy, third and fourth guy, like who are going to be, the receivers when when they line up in four to five receiver sets who is going to be the third fourth and fifth receiver uh, we figure that when we see that type of uh set four five that Keyshawn Smith and NX will be there uh we can pretty much bet the house on that but who are going to be those these those other three guys and that's that's probably I wouldn't say it's disappointing but it, it's just a little surprising that another receiver hasn't really emerged just yet. Yeah, I think we're going to see more and more two tight end sets, maybe even three tight end sets. 
with Royo and Mamorelli. Uh, Khalil Brantley got some first-team reps uh, at Monday's practice. Jaleel Skinner looked really good in the scrimmage, super athletic, could play that slot receiver, uh, bump out a little bit wide if he needs to, tight end type role. So I think that there's enough dogs in the room to for combined tight end and receiver room uh, to suffice for that wide receiver three spot. Obviously, Keyshawn and X are the two most consistent guys, but Jacoby George has kind of fallen in line with that consistency. We really haven't seen the big plays from him. Uh, but scored a seven-yard touchdown in the spring game, uh, you know, was a pretty consistent target overall uh, in spring practice and in fall camp so far. I think Colby Young is going to probably going to have to turn it on a little bit closer to midseason later in the year, still kind of acclimating to the Hurricanes program and, and, and the standards uh, of being a main guy in that receiver room. He's a Juco guy. It's not easy for those guys to just jump in and be the man right now. You got to get acclimated to that power five level of play. Everybody's tough. You know, our standards are high as Hurricane fans, but we got a ton of four-star, five-star kids in the building. So he's competing with kids like that on a daily basis. They might not be living up to lofty standards in regards to our expectations of them as a as a lauded recruit, but the kid is still uh, – he's still got to get acclimated. So it's, it's going to be a process. Romello Brinson – Looks explosive at times. I think they want to see more consistency out of him. Uh, just from what I saw um, at practice on Monday and here, you know, in the scrimmage, there's been a lot of drop balls. There's a lot of drop balls right now. So, you know, once somebody consistently steps up and, and is putting the work in of Keyshawn next, I think you'll start to see a guy emerges at number three spot, at that number three spot. Other than that, it's going to be a lot of utilization of the tight ends and a rotation of the rest of those guys. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and I totally agree about the tight ends being utilized in this offense, which is is great for tight end you, right? Uh, and the fact that you've got potential NFL draft pick in Will Mallory and um, possibly uh, uh, another one with Elijah Arroyo. And, um, and then you've got kind of a stable in, in waiting uh, with, uh, with Skinner, Brantley, and, and Mamorelli as well. Um, so and, and three kids committed in 23. Right, exactly. With uh, McCaska, Carver, and Williams. So, so yeah. I mean, uh, the sky's the limit, and and uh, I, I know Josh Gaddis will be utilizing the tight ends a lot in his offense. Uh, that's what he kind of did everywhere that he's been, especially at his last stop in Michigan. So. Uh, I'm definitely excited for for that uh, that uh, group to continue to shine uh, during spring. But um, I, I think the real the real storylines for me for fall camp are yes, yes, the receivers, which which we kind of touched on. That's still going to be an ongoing story as to you know who's going to emerge out of that group and. Uh, and uh, the the other group I think would be offensive line, offensive line, uh, defensive line, and and linebacker, and and then also to me the the second corner are are kind of the main storylines uh, going into going through this this fall camp because uh, quarterback I think we pretty much know who's going to be the starter here. And uh, we pretty much know who's going to be the backup and the third string 
uh, for the most part. And then with running back, I don't think it really matters so much who starts. And I know Coach Smith is 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 a fan of the uh, of the running back by committee philosophy, and whoever's got the hot hand uh, will will get them get more of the carries or backs will be utilized in different situations sets um you know plays so I, I really don't believe uh there's going to be a back that gets you know maybe a a a, a big difference of of the majority of the carries now with all that being said uh cheney did have a, a really good is having a really good fall camp and uh, performed well during the scrimmage as well. So Cheney has has the ability to be that short yardage, I think, type of back, uh, which likely you're gonna he's gonna get the carries on on first, second, maybe first and second down. And when it comes to third down, it could be a variety of of, of a bunch of guys depending on the situation of of the down and distance. It could be, you know, Jalen Knighton. It could be Henry Parrish, or it could be Cheney uh, again on third down, or, or maybe they run uh, Parrish on on first or second. Um, so I don't really think that's that's really a topic of conversation as far as the running backs concerned, because you know everybody's going to get their 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 share of the rock. Um, but O line is is definitely uh, something to really kind of talk about this spring as far as. Who's going to be lining up at, uh, I would say, right guard, uh, you know, is is a really interesting one. Um, you, you got a lot of guys in the mix for for guard center for for the two guards and the center. You've got a mix of guys that are kind of kind of there to, um, you know, take the position D line. There's a bunch of guys in there that for me uh, could potentially start. Um and there's going to be a bunch of guys in the rotation as well. Um, but who is going to be consistently in that rotation is, is really kind of the topic of conversation. And then the linebacker, I think Caleb Johnson is is probably the, the only guy that you can probably bet some money on that will be in the starting lineup of the two linebackers. But the other one is kind of a mystery as well as, as far as who it's going to be um there's a variety of guys that that can that can jump in that spot as well but as far as all the position groups what what intrigues you the most I would probably say uh, I'm intrigued with the idea of coach Steele uh implementing three different units along the defensive line right in the scrimmage they brought a ton of pressure in the spring game they were really giving the quarterback a number of different looks and coverage as well as bringing pressure in a number of different ways it's not really just that void zone uh methodology that Manny Diaz had prior to that gave up a ton of big plays if you look at coach Steele in his past stops he has also been top in the country in tackles for loss and sacks and big plays on defense but there really haven't been those huge lapses in coverage there haven't been those huge lapses in gap structure responsibility so you know I I, I put the linebacker article out today and if you go and look at how successful he's been at developing and coaching linebackers over the last almost 20 years, it, it's, it's, it's a difference in, in methodology and it's a difference in, in, in approach that him and Charlie Strong are taking to the linebacker room that is going to really help, uh, you know, have this fluid rotation on the defensive line. You know, if you have guys in, at the second level that are making plays flying around, 
you guys can bring a little bit more pressure on the defensive line. You know, you can make a mistake without having to worry about the guy behind you making a tackle. So, you know, Leonard Taylor got a sack in, in the scrimmage on Monday. Elijah Roberts was a, was a surprise for me all over the field coming in that he could play the three, he could play defensive end at 275, 280 pounds. Yeah. Um, Daryl Jackson has been a pleasant surprise as, as a young transfer uh, who's going to be making a ton of plays for us on defense. Just seeing him in person, he is physically imposing. He is looks a lot like Leonard Taylor. So we're going to have two six foot five, two six foot six, uh, 300 pounds, 295 pounds defensive tackles that could play that one of the three with pass rush ability at both spots. So, you know, just, just going down the list. I mean, you go down all the way down to Allen high. We, we talked about Allen high as a potential pass rusher coming into high school. So having that guy as your eighth or ninth guy in the rotation, uh, I think Miami's in a solid spot defensive line wise. Um, you know, I don't feel as comfortable with the offensive line. I think that that's the reason that they're focusing so much on the offensive line in recruiting, but, Defensive line play, I think, is going to be there. You got some developmental guys like Nigel Lee Kelly, Cyrus Moss. Nigel Lee Kelly could have an impact as soon as this season. His his pass rush ability as a 17, 18-year-old kid still uh, is, is impressive. He's just got athletic traits that we haven't seen in a long time. I think if he doesn't have shoulder surgery, uh, we're talking about him as a potential starter in this defense. Wow. Wow. Well, which is high praise for, for, for a kid. Uh, who was just in high school last last season um and i was one of those guys who saw nigel lee kelly and thought that he was the best defensive end in south florida and people would argue me uh, with me about it uh with uh marvin jones jr um shamar stewart you know those those type of players but I would always say from what I've seen, Nigel Lee Kelly is the best defensive end out of South Florida. And when I saw that he was, you know, committed to Miami, I was like, wow. So they have, they really have something here. They really have a guy that, that can at least push the starting lineup to, to, to really be great. Um, I'm not so sure he, he would be able to start um, this season, you know, even if he didn't have a shoulder surgery, but he would definitely still be in the rotation. Uh, well, he will be in the rotation from from what we hear from from everyone. I mean, Coach Salavea just, you know, called him a tremendous talent, you know. So I think he does have probably the highest ceiling among all of the freshmen uh, that are in camp right now. I, I think – he has the potential to be a first round NFL draft pick because, you know, he's just a baby right now. And, and he's just really getting started. I just started really getting coached up by, by this amazing coaching staff. And, and, you know, he's getting, you know, pointers from Jason Taylor, which is, you know, not a bad thing to have. And um, he definitely will be in the rotation with a bunch of other guys. Like you mentioned, I, I, I was, um, somewhat surprised about Elijah Roberts, but Elijah Roberts was dominant in high school as well um, uh, for Columbus, in, in my opinion. You know, a hotbed kid, uh, he is always shown that that he can, you know, take it to the next level. Uh, and from, from what I've seen from him, and, um, you know, he's, he's just been out there working and really kind of working his way in the rotation. And, um, yeah, 
the thing is that you are going to have some young guys in the middle. I mean, Leonard Taylor is still just a second-year guy uh, along with uh, Daryl Jackson. Uh, you know, the, these are young guys, but the potential for them is is there for to to be really great, to, to really be uh, dominant on the inside. I worry about a possible a possible injury to them and what that would do to the team because you don't have a lot behind them. I mean, yeah, you do have a, a Jacob Lichtenstein who can who can be there, but to lose to lose one of those guys from the rotation, I think would be kind of devastating uh, uh, for the team and and also at linebacker as well. If there's if there's a significant injury to like a Caleb Johnson or or a Keontre Smith, then or, or you know even like a Corey Flag or or Wayman Steed. Um, so say if two of those guys is out for significant time, then you don't have as many guys rotating in and out. You're asking guys to play more downs than they, you know, than the D coordinator and linebackers coach probably wants them to. So uh, that that's the one thing that if if I'm if I'm looking on you know the other side, I mean everything is coming out positive out of out of South Florida and Coral Gables, this, but we have to kind of look at what could potentially be the issues uh, going going uh, into this season. And, and I see that possibly being, being an issue down the line and hopefully they can definitely, they can stay healthy. And if they do, they can be one of the best defensive fronts in the ACC. So, so yeah, I mean, um, and then what about DB man? Well, let's, let's talk about the other DB spot because I assume that Tyreek Stevenson is going to be one of those DBs. And then let's talk about the two DB spots, really. Um, the, the nickel uh, uh, position or used to be striker position, you know, that that in, in the box ty- type of corner slash safety slash linebacker position, and then the other corner position. So the contenders uh, for me are Takori Couch and – um, DJ Ivy, Daryl Porter. I think those are kind of the top three guys uh, for the other corner position. And at that nickel position, I'm thinking it's Gilbert Frierson, who's now being listed as a as a defensive back, or uh, Al Blades uh, are are really kind of the the I I think are going to be the the options for for those two positions um, adjacent to Tyreek Stevenson. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, my thoughts are I think to Corey Couch has already locked up that nickel spot. Um, just kind of hearing what the coaching staff has been saying about him, they've called him the best cover corner on the team. So that and the fact that he's up to almost 195 pounds now compared to, to the 175-pound frame he had the past couple of seasons, coming in at 155 his freshman year, I think he's developed into the guy that we need in the at the corner position. They've talked about this defense uh, when they have a corner a nickel cornerback out there. That's got to be the best player on the field. And when they talk about Corey Couch to that level, I think he's kind of locked in that spot um, as that nickel guy can come off the edge a little bit if you need him to. Um, is covering up slot receivers, which sometimes is your best receiver <laughs> on the opposite team. So yeah. I think his ability 
Um, he was already skill level wise ready to play as a freshman, in my opinion, cover wise, but uh, just needed to physically get ready to play. And we, we saw it last year. He, he was inept at tackling uh, running backs coming out, out of the tackle box. He really wasn't great at, at handling bigger receivers, but I think he's in a position to do that now with the strength and conditioning program that we currently have at Miami. So the kid uh, is, is, is my pick for the nickel cornerback spot. I think that it's going to be a battle down the stretch for that second cornerback spot on the outside, but I'm going to go with Daryl Porter just from the words of a die, how he's talked about Daryl Porter and how he's remained uh, so skilled at corner, despite adding so much weight, he's grown uh, not just weight wise, but height wise as well since he was a freshman in college. You know, he's closer to that six foot mark. Now he's, about 190, 195 pounds, filled out, looks like an American Heritage DV that you recruit as a blue chip prospect out of high school. So I think that was a steal in the transfer portal for us. I don't think that it's talked about enough because now you got two guys on the outside that are able to play with bigger, tougher receivers in Tyreek Stevenson and Daryl Porter. I think Marcus Clark is a, is a dark horse candidate to, to earn some playing time. Uh, from what I heard, he played pretty stingy um, with, you know, the reserves and the scrimmage. He's got a lot of length. We've talked about him from time to time as a guy that could step up as a potential young guy uh, at that at corner spots when we're not getting the level of play that we need. Uh, so I, I think his confidence is starting to get there. And without the young guy, the young corners really getting a chance to play, a guy is not really big on the freshman, uh, you know, seeing the field that early just because there's an acclimation period much like uh, Colby Young, I think that he's got a really good chance to play. I think the rotation has has kind of trimmed down in a way, and I think with the new coaching staff seeing his potential, he could be a guy that sees the field this year, maybe not early, but midseason, depending on some injuries, things like that. Okay, okay. Definitely um, some good points there. Um, I did want to also kind of jump back to the D-line. Um, because we didn't kind of mention uh, the guys that we actually would think to start on the ends. Um, and I think it's pretty much going to be a done deal that it's going to be Mitchell Lagude and Jafaria Harvey. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, locked in with, with those two guys from, from what I hear from the, from the coaches, from what I hear from the other players who's really kind of standing out. And then just physically those two are definitely – you know, the part, uh, Goude, and they're both experienced guys, you know, that it's not like these guys, you know, don't have game experience. Um, Goude was really productive over there in, at UCLA. And, and Jafari Harvey is, is the best defensive end uh, coming back from last year's team. So um, I, I think those two guys are, are pretty much locked to, to get those positions. Uh, of course, there could be uh, other players, uh, you know, in the mix as, as far as defensive end is concerned in the rotation. But as far as, you know, penciling act, the actual starters for the line, I, I don't think you can go wrong with a Goudet or Harvey. Yeah, I think Harvey's the best defenseman on the roster. Just he's the prototype of what we've had at Miami at defensive end for a little bit now really athletic on the edge. Um, a lot of people have kind of compared 
his recruitment to, to Joe Jackson, an underrated recruit that has the frame and athletic ability to come in and be an impact guy as a pass rusher who didn't have a ton of height, right? It, it wasn't, he didn't have a massive recruitment. So I, I think that he's going to step in as that guy that could really get us back to that double digit sack production of our defensive end one. I think that second defensive end spot is going to be a little bit more of a rotation. I think you can pencil a good in into into that spot right now as a starter, the guy who gets the first rep in the games. But Akeem Ezador was an impact player at West Virginia at multiple spots. Uh, I think if we're playing a more run-centric team, a team that uh, really utilizes quarterback power, quarterback option, things like that, you might see Akeem Mesidor on the field more than Mitchell Agude. Mitchell Agude is, is longer, is probably more – is probably a better pass rusher than Akeem Mesidor just because of his 6'5", 255-pound frame. But Akeem Mesidor has that versatility to play three, even the one if you need him to on third down, uh, and step on the outside with really good experience uh, to, to rush the passer and be a run enforcer at that potential like strong defensive end spot. So I think it's going to be a rotation. Like I said before, I think Nigel e. Kelly's going to earn some playing time. Cyrus Moss I don't think is there yet just – he still looks like a defensive back out there at, with the defensive ends. He's just so tiny. Um, I think there's going to be kind of a year. Uh, he needs a mango season, I guess you'd call it, right? He's going to need a little bit of a mango season. Um, and I think Chance Williams has the potential to be a guy that we talk about as a pass rusher on this team, but we just haven't seen it yet, which is surprising because he was one of the more highly recruited kids on the team in general. So. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I totally agree with you penciling in those guys as the guys who get the first rep in the game. I think it's going to be a battle throughout the year with Akeem Mesidor and Mitchell Agude, depending on who we play. Yeah, yeah, uh, I totally agree with that as well. Um, I do think Chance Williams is a guy that's going to be constantly in the rotation. Uh, him along with Elijah Roberts and, you know, Mesidor, Agude, Harvey, Lichtenstein, Taylor, um, I think those are going to be the guys that are going to be rotating in and out of this, uh, of this D line for the, for this season. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, so we don't even need to really see the depth chart. I mean, we already know what it is. <laughs> <You know? laughs> We've already figured it out here on canescounty.com what the depth chart is. I mean, but you know, there's always surprises uh, when it officially does come out and um, you know, we'll, we'll see how correct we are. Um, but other than that, um, that there's really uh, the other news that came out this uh, this week is is Trevante Citizen. I think we do have to touch on that a little bit. Uh, Trevante Citizen, outstanding running back that was uh, committed to the class very very late in the game. It's one of those Cristobal hail marys that scored. And Trevante Citizen uh, came out, the news came out this week that he suffered an injury and will uh, get, uh, will miss significant time. Doesn't mean that he's out for the season as of yet. There's a lot of speculation that he is out for the season. But, you know, when, when a coach says significant time, it, that usually means at least bare minimum, maybe a couple of months. I mean, I mean, that's how I interpret it. Um, so I, I think it's it, it's a bad thing for him. Obviously, a setback in, in his career. 
and he was likely going to see the field this season, especially in, you know, late in games where, where Miami's kind of blowing out teams. He was definitely going to get carried. Um, but it, it's almost, it's almost, uh, it, well, it is basically a red shirt. Uh, that that's going to happen with him and he's still going to have an, another year of eligibility. And it's, it's, it's a situation where you you have a great back that is in waiting. Um, once, you know, some of these backs move on that are on the roster, move on to the NFL. Um, I don't see any, any current backs right now moving on to the NFL next year. Uh, I, I think all of the backs come back. Uh, Knighton, Parrish, and uh, Cheney. I I don't see them. Uh, I don't see them being in the NFL draft, uh, or you know, or even picked up in the in the you know after the the draft is over next year. So I think it it behoove all of them to really kind of stay another year. So to have uh, a Trevante Citizen back. Uh, next year or even later on in the year is 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 really kind of a luxury uh, that the Hurricanes have at running back, especially right now. There, there's not a running back committed to the 2023 class, although, you know, we do think that um, a running back, uh, you know, out of Dillard is, is going to uh, commit to Miami at some point soon you still want uh, to have kind of a backup plan. I mean, this is football, man, football, you have injuries, you know, you have transfers, uh, you know, uh, running backs jump into a transfer portal and then all of a sudden, you know, and then if you have a, a running back hurt, which all of the running backs have injury history, all of them, you know, have, have been hurt on the, you know, on some type of level. So uh, running back is, is, is a position that, that you know goes through attrition and you just have to have a backup plan and fortunately Miami and and, and the hurricane staff were was able to pick up a guy like Citizen. I hope he can be back later later this season. Yeah, I think I think you almost have to look at him as a now a 2023 running back recruit, right? And with the way the running back room has kind of developed injury wise, this is another this is another sign that you got to recruit a running back on a yearly basis. Even if you take a punt on a guy who's a three star caliber player, you got to bring in depth, right? Because now we're at four running backs with a bunch of guys that have an injury history. Brewster is explosive. Um, he's only 190 pounds right now. One injury could take him out for the whole year, right? We've seen it with him in the past. In high school, we've seen him be banged up. Henry Parrish is not a big guy as well. We haven't really seen any injury history too much with Parrish, but he's not a guy that's going to be able to take 20 to 25 carries a game as as that bell cow running back. Um, Don Chaney, it's a different injury every year with this guy. Um, now, we're starting to see that signature explosiveness come back in the scrimmage and in fall camp. He's looking good catching the ball out of the backfield and drills. Coaches have talked about him in a positive light. So I think he's going to be a surprise this season. Uh, maybe not a surprise because everybody talks about him, but just a playing, you know, a, a resurgence back to what we thought he was going to be coming out of high school. And Thad Franklin, 
added a couple nice runs in the scrimmage. I, if we had to ask, ask me who was going to be a transfer candidate after the season, I think he's this team's version of Gus Edwards, a kid that could do really well in a situation like a Rutgers. Um, it could be an NFL back if he really puts it together, but I just don't see him really getting the opportunity that he thought he was going to get coming to Miami. But there's always attrition. Uh, we lost Cody Brown this offseason. If you lose that, Franklin, again, you got to bring somebody else in because you can't just live with four running backs from the Power 5 level. It's just not something that's going to work. Now, I do think that uh, this could open up the opportunity for Brashard Smith to maybe go to the running back room a little bit and help us out there because we just haven't seen the development as a receiver. You know, dropped a, I think he dropped a couple passes in the scrimmage. There hasn't been a lot of talk of him doing much in spring or in fall camp so far. Uh, and we've seen him at times where you just get the ball in his hands and he's able to make something happen. So I don't think he fits the Trevante citizen role, um, but you could probably bump up a Thad Franklin to, to take some of that big back role along with Cheney and, you know, give Rashard Smith a role as that, uh, you know, opposite uh, a, a rooster as an explosive back uh, that can take some carries away um, from that, that foursome of running backs. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So hopefully, hopefully he comes back uh, this season and we get to see Trevante Citizen, one of the best running backs in the country. Uh, and, you know, true freshman, hopefully we get to see him later on. Um, but if we don't, then we have some, we have an exciting running back to, to look forward to uh, next season. Uh, but also wanted to touch on the DB recruiting class because Miami did miss out on Jaden Bonsu. You know, at first we thought Jaden Bonsu was going to commit to Miami. I mean, his recruiting process was, uh, you know, it started out with him being pegged to go to Ohio State, and then he moved up his commitment, and that's when it seemed like he was moving towards uh, Coral Gables in Miami, and then he – uh, you know, delayed his commitment again um, or delayed his commitment. And then it uh, eventually comes out that he commits to Ohio State last weekend. So um, Jaden Bonsu, un outstanding talent. It's unfortunate that he chose the Buckeyes over the Hurricanes. But what's next for the Hurricanes as far as DBs concerned? Because you just got – uh, Robert Stafford is the only defensive back committed. We now missed on two solid defensive backs in, in Jaden Bonsu and Joanella Aguero. So first it kind of raised, raises some concern as to, you know, um, you know, what's going on as far as, you know, what's being communicated to these kids or whatnot at the defensive back position. I mean, it, it's just kind of a natural thought um, since you had, so much success basically at every every position uh, thus far. Um, and defensive back is an important one. It's a very important one as far as on football field and with this recruiting class. And you want to get at least two blue chippers, two more blue chippers um, at that position. Now, there, there are plenty of guys out there, uh, two, you know, very uh, – popular prospects are Cormani McLean and, and Damari Brown. Monty McLean, uh, arguably 
the best player in the country. And Damari Brown, another one of the great defensive backs coming out of the pipeline of American Heritage Plantation legacy uh, player, is also considering the Hurricanes as well. But uh, what are some of the other options uh, that you uh, are kind of seeing out there at defensive back for Miami? Yeah, I don't think that um, Miami's had great success with safeties in, in this class. Obviously, with the, with the Garo and, and Bonsu, we missed. But we also lost on Terrence Love before that to Auburn. So well, we've kind of struck out going out of state with safety prospects, obviously, to, to three high-level programs like Ohio State. It's okay. You know, it, it hurts to lose to an Ohio State, but it's understandable, right? It hurts to lose to a Georgia. It's understandable. The Auburn one hurts a little bit more, in my opinion. But – I think it's time to recenter recruiting back to South Florida, and it seems Miami is doing just that at the safety spot. Conrad Hussey is starting to hear from the Miami Hurricanes more and more. Um, we should have a development this week um, on that. We should, uh, you know, I'm hoping to put out a story um, on his recruitment and his process. Um, but he's he's a high level safety prospect that is super underrated, strictly because he didn't transfer over to the safety position from running back until about a year and a half ago. So this is a new defensive player uh, that already has a four-interception season for one of the top teams in the country in St. Thomas Aquinas. He's six foot, six one, 180 pounds, 185 pounds right now. Elite athleticism. If you wanted him to play corner, he can do that as well. We saw it at OT7 in Vegas. He strapped up a number of top players, including did well against the South Florida Express receiving core um, that is – absolutely loaded with five-star talent. So we've seen him do it against Tucson Turf with elite-level receivers. We've seen him do it against Miami Immortals, elite-level receivers. So the kid is is special. And I think Hurricanes fans should be excited for the opportunity to potentially add that kid in the class. And if you get a Conrad Hussey, you could possibly shore up that second safety spot with a King Mac if you really wanted to. Those two kids, are they walk in lockstep with each other. They are best friends. They have played together in the same defensive backfield and both mirrored each other's production last season. King Mack is one of the fastest players in the country, sixth fastest 400 meter in the nation. Um, he, he is a high-level kid despite being a 5'10", 175-pound safety. Um, I think, you know, a comparison for him could be like a, a faster version of Jaquan Johnson, who we've heard our buddy X uh, mention as a, as a type of comparison. Um, that could he that he could uh, you know fall into um, you know and, and I think another player that has to be watched as a potential commitment um, later in the later in the class just you, you want to make sure you do everything you can to end up with a Cormani McLean a Damari Brown somebody like that is an Edwin Joseph Edwin Joseph has the frame and size ball skills as a, as a receiver to play either safety or cornerback. I think it'd be a little bit more of an adjustment for him to end up playing safety at the next level, but we've seen him at corner at high level, uh, seven on seven events throughout the year, played with South Florida express at defensive back and was a starter at times played for DEFCON plays for an elite level program in Chaminade Madonna, where he will be showcasing his talents at defensive back this year as well. Yeah. Uh, I love, Conrad Hussey as well. I, I think he is just really athletic. I mean, in the state championship game, I saw him jump so high. I was just like, whoa, like right at the goal line, making a play, you know, stopping a score. 
He just he just makes plays. He's very rangy. He has he's, he has amazing range. He can cover a lot of ground. Smart kid. No knows knows where to be on the football field. And King Mac is similar type of player, and I would say a little bit more physical uh, than than Hussey, but makes plays. He just jumps out jumps out on film. Uh, jumps out in the game when when you watch St. Thomas. King Mac to me many of the times was the best defensive player on the field um, and, you know, playing, playing against, you know, high level teams as well. So that'd be amazing though, uh, to, to, to snatch away two players who love Penn state. I, I spoke to both of them and they just, they love the Nittany, Nittany lions and they seem pretty locked in. If Miami can somehow take, those two players away from Penn State. First of all, Manny Diaz is going to be super salty <laughs> because he's <laughs> over there, and he's like, "Man, I got away from I got away from South Florida, and then I get to South Florida kids, and then they co- they commit and decommit." So that that's a situation that we're going to be monitoring closely. But it, it would be just an amazing story just uh, just to see those two players somehow flip. Uh, from Penn State, it's not like Penn State's a slouch. They're their perennial power. They've been, you know, close to getting to the playoff in the past past couple of years. Um, um, James Franklin is is a really good coach from from what I from what I hear, and and the kids really really like him and and, and really connect with him, just how they do with Cristobal. So, so yeah, that would be an amazing get for for Miami, especially right now where it's where it's kind of dire. It feels dire. It feels dire at that position uh, because you got Robert Stafford, who's great. He's a great player, but he is going to be someone who is going to build into somebody great um, because he's, he's played kind of, uh, you know, both sides of the football. He's a really great athlete, but um, I don't think he's not a plug and play guy first day or or anything like that for me. But um yeah, to get those type of players would be absolutely amazing. Edwin Joseph is definitely a player uh, that we should, of course, keep on the radar. But I think if we wait too long, someone's going to jump on that kid. Somebody's going to really, you know. Yeah, Penn State. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an, mean, it could be another poach from Penn State. Right, 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 right. So, so, so yeah, that that's another. I mean, uh, Penn State could essentially keep all of those kids. Uh, so it's going to be tough to flip all, all three um, or another, another team could try to, could, could try to um, definitely flip Edwin Joseph as well. If, you know, if he feels he's not being valued um, like those other two guys are. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it would be an amazing feat, but I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I I don't. I wouldn't bet on it. Let's just say that I wouldn't bet on it right now. I would um, probably. I would probably be more comfortable saying. I'd probably be be more comfortable saying that we're going to grab Hussey. You know, I think that the the I think the fantasy is to grab all three if you can. If you don't fill out that that DB class, but I think Hussey is the more realistic option. Um, he's really being communicated with by the defensive staff at Miami right now. They are they have been reaching out since Bonds who um kind of checked out of of Miami potentially um you know a few weeks prior 
So he's hearing from Miami. He went to the Legends camp, right? He has a relationship now. When I spoke to him at St. Thomas camp, like, you know, I put in the message boards, the kid, you know, said with a smirk, there's always love for the crib, right? So that is a sign to me that he is open to the idea. And that was after me asking him, you locked in, you know, and after somebody says there's always love for the crib after you ask if they're locked in, it sounds like there's an opportunity for Miami to move in and kind of go for the kill right there. Um, the King Max situation, I think. Yeah. Kids always say that. They always say that. But Conrad is one of those kids that he's not he's not a media-hungry kid. You don't see a ton of interviews from Conrad. There's not a ton of social media uh, presence from Conrad. He's not – he's one of those kids where St. Thomas keeps pretty much things in-house, right? They don't really like the drama to get out. They don't really let their kids, you know, do the crazy recruiting process. Um, you know, everything's been pretty centralized you know, to where kids are going to end up going. We haven't seen a lot of crazy recruiting uh, stories come out of there. So I think that the kid is genuinely interested in Miami. Um, I think that all of these kids were interested in Miami, but there just hasn't been a lot of interest. Uh, you know, when you're going after Joan Aligero, who's a, who's a, you know, border, a fringe five-star level kid, you're going after a Bantu, who you turn on the tape and it's reminiscent of Miami safeties of old, right? Terrence Love was one of the top prospects in the country at defensive back. Going after Cormani McLean, Damari Brown, these are all elite-level kids. And when you're going after, you know, on, I think in a normal cycle where DB isn't as heavy, you're starting to talk about these kids earlier on in the process as Miami takes. Um, I think sometimes there's just years where kids get – they get messed over a little bit in regards to their recruitment and potential home just because of who else is in the class. So we'll see. I'm, I'm pretty confident Hussey's going to be open to the idea uh, of, of potentially flipping. Nice uh, choice of words there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if I had to make a bet on those three guys, I would probably say Edwin Joseph ends up in the class. You know, um, oh, I think we just need the Hurricanes to put a little bit more of, a, of an effort uh, to, you know, to, you know, to, present the idea to him and that Chaminade pipeline is something that you want to continue because you know Zaquan Patterson is in that next class um, of DB and I think if you have a guy who's there already you know a year prior of him trying to decide then that that can potentially help uh, your chances of getting a Zaquan Patterson who to me has potential to be a five-star guy um you know for the 2024 class so so yeah so that's next up as far as as far as db but as far as other positions are concerned um i think i think we're on uh on commitment withdrawal uh hurricanes fans are probably are because you know with july and 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 some of august as well it's been just commit after commit after commit yeah we did get connor lou added to the class uh, most recently, the outstanding uh, center out of uh, Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, so so he was added to the class most recently, uh, just adding more depth to that already outstanding offensive line class. Now, how this class can get even better is if they get, you know, a guy that we know as uh, Pancake Concho, and that's Samson Okunlola. Um you know, I did touch base with him recently and uh, still has a lot of love 
for the Hurricanes, but he is still looking to um, visit a couple more schools before making a decision. So his decision is not going to be happening before the season that we um, like we like we once thought. It's likely going to be, I would think, uh, maybe end of September or early October is when you'll probably get a commitment from Samson Oakland Lola. Uh, he's a he's a an outstanding talent. He's he's a player that you can see being drafted not only first round, but possibly a top 10 uh, draft pick down the line. Um, he's that special. Um, he technically sound and, and just a, just a physical specimen. Uh, his brother's already playing at Pitt. He's also had a couple other brothers that have played football on, on the uh, college level. Uh, he's a guy that I think just solidifies this, this old line and you probably don't need anyone else um, to add to the offensive line with all the guys that you already have with potentially uh, two five-star guys in Francis Malagoa and Samson Okanlola. You got Connor Liu, Tommy Kinsler, Antonio Tripp, and Frankie Tinelau. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a pretty massive online O-line haul uh, for the Hurricanes. Um, the only other player that is in play for the Hurricanes that we know of on the O-line is, is Monroe Freeling. And if you get a guy like that, who's a four-star um, offensive lineman, I, I would be safe to say that this is the best offensive lineman recruiting class of all time for the Hurricanes. <laughs> um, but uh, Is it just the Hurricanes? Is it just the Hurricanes? Or are we talking about potentially ever? You know, I mean, two five-star kids, uh, you know, we, we could see – potentially one of those centers ending up a four-star guy before it's all said and done. They are both top seven offensive linemen ranked in the country for rivals. Uh, you, you know, Monroe Freeling, Monroe Freeling is a blue-chip prospect himself. Uh, a Tommy Kinsler just got his position changed on rivals, offensive guard from offensive tackle. Uh, I think that, you know, with a, a new evaluation going into this year at a new position, I think he could potentially threaten for low four-star status as well. Um, so I think, you know, points wise, we might have the greatest class of all time. And that's and that's a, a huge conversation piece uh, when you're you're talking about the first real class for Mario Cristobal before he's he, before he's even really coached the game. Yeah. So it, it, this is huge. This is huge. Yeah. Talk about setting the foundation for your for your class, for the offensive line and for the team. Uh, it, it's it's uh, it's pretty amazing what what Coach Cristobal and his staff are able to do in, you know, we're, we're, we're coming up on year one <laughs> and we're, we're still, I don't know how many months it's been. It's been about nine months maybe uh, that, that uh, Cristobal has, has officially been the, the head coach of the university of Miami. And, you know, he's already doing really great things with this, with this offensive line. So I think uh, Oakland Lola ends up uh, with the class I mean, that's, you know, that's just from the information that I know now, but he's a guy who is taking his time, is kind of filling out the process and is really going to kind of carefully make this decision. It's not going to be off of emotion. It's going to be very calculated. 
he's a very calculated kid who, you know, is, is, is really looking to go to a school that will accentuate everything that is pancake honcho. Um, and literally with that being his brand, he's looking to kind of grow that brand, uh, just like his, his brother did with his brand, which is uh, the last edge bender, which I think is an amazing name. <laughs> um, Pancake Honcho is pretty good too, but um, but yeah, so I think he's the next offensive lineman to to commit. But as far as players uh, are commit, who do you think is going to be the next player uh, to commit to the twenty twenty three class? I think it's Chris Johnson out of Dillard, running back, uh, receiver, corner, safety, whatever you want him to be. Uh, you put that speed on the field somewhere. Um, in the first couple of years of him coming to Miami. The kid is the fastest player in the state of Florida. He's the fastest track kid in the state of Florida in general as well. Uh, he is a 5'11", 6'180", 185-pound speed demon who has some receiving ability as well. We, we were able to see that in the spring. You, you took Antoine Jackson, teammate, over the top in the spring for like a 75-yard touchdown. Um, so the, the kid has a lot of, a lot of great traits. Uh, he had 15 touchdowns last year as, as the main back for Dillard. Obviously, there's a lot of hype going in for Dillard uh, this season with all the additions that they've made. They they are a talent-heavy football team that um, is, is trying to bring back uh, success from the 90s and even the 80s uh, from a program that is seen as a prestigious home of, of, of South Florida. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think, I think he's the next kid in. Um, He's already tried to commit twice. Um, family pressure is the only reason he's not in this uh, this Miami class. I think you know, I think that there's some family pressure trying to see what other options are out there for him to play running back. Um, Georgia, Alabama, all these other schools are seeing him as a receiver or DB. Um, you know, they see him as a high potential guy just due to the size and speed, and also his ball skills. You know, translate to those positions as well. So. I think he's a Miami take. I think Miami's doing all the right things necessary to make that happen right now. The kid is in love with them. Uh, Antoine Jackson is recruiting him on a daily basis. The coaching staff is completely on board with what Mario Cristobal is doing. Uh, I think it's just a matter of time uh, before he pledges to the Miami Hurricanes. And we've talked to the national guys about Chris Johnson as well. I think with a big senior year, he could be another blue chip prospect for Miami. Um, and, with all these blue chip prospects lining up for Miami, I think you're talking about a really historic class for the Canes in 2023. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love CJ as well. Uh, he's just got great, great speed. I mean, it's the, you can't teach speed as they say, and he is the fastest um, at that position. And um, I think Kevin Smith really likes him. Uh, really likes his personality, his drive, and his his willingness to just get better. And he's, he's got laser focus on 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 just that, getting better. And that's that's the type of attitude that that you want on, on your football team. And that's what Kevin Smith wants now um, as a running back. And I think he commits to Miami because they are continuing to recruit him as a running back. And essentially, I think that's what he wants to play. So, um, yeah, I agree. I agree. He he's going to be uh, the after speaking with uh, you know with uh, Pancake Honcho. I I feel um, CJ is going to be the next uh, to commit to Miami. 
Um, anybody else that that you know of that that could be, you know, an, an, an essential uh, commitment for for Miami in the next couple of months? Um, I you know, in the next couple of months, I could see Damari Brown uh, dropping. I don't think he's necessarily required to take this down to the wire. I think he wants to see some early success for Miami. I think even if you slip up at Texas A&M, as long as you win every other game going into the midseason, you're going to see – you see the changes that are, that are being made with a 4-1, and 5-1, and 6-1 and one type start. So I think the, a lot of kids want to see that happen. I think once you get to that midseason uh, point in the – you know, for the Hurricanes, you could see uh, the, that next wave start to drop, right? I think – Cormani McLean is a kid that you can talk about potentially ending up in the class. I think he's going to end up committing way down the line, right? Um, I think, you know, he's got a really good – him and mom have a really good relationship with, with DVD, which is going to be big. Um, I don't think that Florida is still in the race, and I think that Alabama um, is keeping tabs. Um, but I don't think the kid wants to leave home. Um, so, from everything I'm hearing, he's a dark horse for Miami uh, to grab. Damari Brown, I think he's going to be a grab. And I think Conrad Hussey um, is going to eventually flip to the Hurricanes, in my opinion. And, and, and that's not something that, you know, we've been told just yet, but just the vibes that I'm getting from this situation, talking to the kid, um, seeing how he's really starting to post his offers once again. There, there was a there was a stopgap in that uh, for a long period of time when he after he committed in April. Um, but now we're starting to see Oklahoma after OT7. He post Auburn yesterday. So, you know, that and, and the interest from Miami, I think, is opening up the door for him to not end up in that Penn State class. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, the nine or ten guys, um, you know, pretty continuously on, on who can end up in the class. But I would probably say it would be like a Damari Brown after a Chris Johnson. Okay. Um, I actually think Cormani McLean is like a – it's a coin flip for me uh, with Alabama and Miami. I also think it's a coin flip for me for Ruben Bain, same schools, Alabama and Miami. Um, so th- those are two names that, that I think will eventually, um, you know, one or the other – I feel like one or the other – there's a really good possibility one of them will be committing to, to Miami. Uh, other than that, you know, I already talked about Oklahoma. I, I, I think there, there's a good possibility he ends up in the class. Uh, he did also mention that he wanted to see how they looked this season. So apparently that's, that's probably going to be, you know, a factor. And, you know, uh, that came against Texas A&M is going to be a huge, huge game. Um, as far as the optics are concerned for, for some of these pro- prospects. So maybe not so much for the team going on, you know, for the season, but that, that particular game and how they look, if they get blown out in that game, that could potentially be devastating for the recruiting class, um, the perception um, uh, of it, or for some of these, you know, French players that are kind of on the fence. Um, so yeah, those, those are the those are the really kind of the two play, the 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 couple of players for me. Demar Brown is also, of course, in the mix as well. Dijon Johnson, I think, is 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 a possibility. Uh, that one to me is a coin flip with Florida in Miami. 
uh, as well. So uh, Florida has gotten a lot of lot of lot of commits lately, and they all of a sudden are in the top ten uh, in the recruiting class, which is you know it's you know it's pretty amazing that they made such a such a big leap in in a short amount of time with with the with the commits that they got, including uh, Will Norman out of out of IMG. So, so yeah, um, those those are really kind of the guys that I'm I'm kind of seeing possibly committing to the class: Demario Brown, Chris Johnson, Kermani McLean down the line. We'll see, um, and uh, Ruben Bain. You know, a player that we didn't mention, and I I have to say it because I'm I'm sure somebody watching this is like, wow, they didn't say anything about Ikeem Williams. Ikeem Williams is is a guy that's uh, committing, he has a date set for September 23rd. And actually, I actually reviewed the interview that I did with him again. <laughs> I looked at it because, I mean, this besides, you know, talking to the kid or, or speaking to coaches or whatnot, uh, this is kind of what we have to kind of dissect, right? And one of the things that he said to me really kind of jumped out to me uh, when I listened to it again, and it was the fact that one that he really is going to base his decision on the relationship that he's developed with said coach. That's like really big for him. That's why uh, a team like Pittsburgh is essentially still in it. Um, they're not a powerhouse team or school, but they're essentially in the, in, in this race for Hakeem Williams because of of uh, Coach Underwood and his relationship that he developed with Hakeem Williams. So another thing that he said was that heck yeah he's got a good relationship with the with the staff and every kid basically says that right but he also mentioned that he had a bigger relationship with the previous staff and the fact that he wanted to mention that like he wanted to mention like hey I had a bigger relationship with the previous staff to me speaks volumes because if if the previous staff had a better relationship a bigger relationship let me just say exactly what he said a bigger relationship uh with uh with him then that means the relationship now with the Hurricanes is not at its full potential. It's not at an all-time high, as Ruben Bain said in my interview with him. So for me, I would guess that Hakeem Williams does not commit to the University of Miami. Now, where he goes, I'm not so sure. I think Texas A&M has a shot. I think Florida State has a shot. I think Pittsburgh has a shot. Um, and then you can never count out Alabama either. Um, but those for me would be the top teams. Georgia's in the mix as well. He, they, they're in his top uh, team list, but he doesn't really mention Georgia a lot. Uh, so I think it's really come down to those teams. And unfortunately, I think Miami is not going to be the pick here. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I put in a forecast for Florida State, um, just everything that I was hearing. Um, was that there's a strong relationship there. Um, you know, they're making sure Hakeem is good. 
Um, and, you know, there, there's just a lot of factors going in, in Florida State's favor. Omar Graham, a 2022 linebacker um, from Stranahan, is, is actually at Florida State. Um, they're building a little bit of a pipeline uh, to Stranahan. And one of the things that stands out by Hakeem, about Hakeem is he was a four-year Stranahan kid. You know, a basketball kid, I think that was a big reason why he stayed. But little old Stranahan is where he stayed for four years, despite pretty much everybody uh, that's a no-name high school-wise going after him. You got IMG and Central, like St. Thomas. Everybody wanted a piece of this kid, right? Because 6'4", 6'5", running 4'4", he's just a tantalizing kid. So I think, you know, every single school in South Florida that, that was a winning program wanted – he wanted a shot with his kid, and I think there's always been rumors of him possibly transferring, but he never did. He locked in all the way through. I don't think he wants to win signing day. I think he's going to be one of those kids that kind of goes somewhere where he can create his own legacy in a way, and that's why I think this is going to come down to Florida State and Pittsburgh. Um, I think he's okay with this smaller school or, or making the more unorthodox choice because uh, that's just what he's done in the past. And everything I'm hearing from everybody is that that Florida State will be the choice. Um, but Pittsburgh is still in the race. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, uh, wide receiver is still uh, is still a position that you want to add add more to um, for the Hurricanes class. And I also want to mention that Brandon Ennis is not totally off the table. Um, yeah, he's not totally off the table for for Miami. Um, yes, he's committed to Ohio State. Yes, he's locked in with them. Um, but when I spoke to him uh, at OT7, I mean, based on the way he was talking about Miami, I felt like, okay, well, Miami is like, if not his top school, his top, he, one of top two, one of, top, of the top two schools for him. And then days later, he, he, you know, he commits to Ohio State. I was a little a bit surprised by that. Um, of how quickly, and maybe it was Ohio State was always going to be the play for him, but as as far as I guess how quickly it happened, I understand it was right after a visit. Still, um, and then he did kind of do that before with Oklahoma as well. Right after a visit, he ends up committing to Oklahoma. Um, but I don't I don't think the Canes are totally out of the Brandon Innes uh, race. Um, you know, this is really just you know total speculation on my part. It's not. Like, uh, I mean, I know some information, but uh, <laughs> um, it, it's more so uh, just me just knowing that the Hurricanes are still going after him or still maintaining contact with them um, just to, you know, see if that's still a possibility. Because Brandon Ennis, to me, you know, he's just – he's an explosive player uh technically really sound with uh route running and just overall just a great athlete just a great overall athlete i mean if he wanted to be the best punter in south florida he would be that um he's he's just kind of that good at everything and played quarterback and kind of held it down uh for american heritage last season when their quarterback uh blake murphy went down so brandon ennis is definitely worth the pursuit for sure, even if he's committed to a powerhouse like Ohio State. But Miami hasn't had a lot of success kind of flipping Ohio State uh, commits. So I'm not sure if if that's going to happen. Uh, they are still 
you know, trying to see what they can do with Mark Fletcher as well, also committed to Ohio State, which if they can get those two guys, oh, my goodness. I mean, like, Mark Fletcher is arguably the best running back in South Florida uh, for this particular class. And Brandon Ennis is arguably the best receiver in the country. Uh, so if, if they can get those two guys, which – that what, I've, what I've seen from the University of Miami is that they swing for fences. You know, they swing for past the fences. They're not they, – they're trying to hit, you know, the car in the next parking lot. That That's how far they're trying to swing. And sometimes they're swinging and they're hitting uh, those home runs. So I say why not? Because if, when you have an offensive line that we already talked about could be one of the best – not just for the Miami Hurricanes, but maybe the best ever when it's all said and done, then why not try to get the best athletes in the entire country? Why, why not try to get the best wide receiver, the best uh, the best uh, running back, especially if they're South Florida kids, especially if they're at a school that we consider a pipeline to, to Miami. So um, so we'll, we'll see how, how that uh, develops, but uh, just – you know, look, look, look out for, for, for smoke on, on those guys in, in the, in the next uh, coming uh, weeks or, or months. Uh, I'm not saying it is going to happen, but it, there's definitely a possibility, you know, that, that Miami um, somehow turns, turns, uh, turns the, the tide on those two guys. When there's smoke, there's fire. That's all I'm going to say about that one. Um, another kid that I think that we need to talk about, just because there's recent speculation is Desmond Ricks. Desmond Ricks, there's there's rumors that he could be reclassifying to the 2023 class. If that happens, it doesn't hurt as much to lose Cormani McLean in Alabama, right? Because you focus that energy on Desmond Ricks as potentially the number one recruit in the country type kid, right? I mean, he's the, he is the Cormani McLean of the 2024 class. So you can grab the, the Cormani McLean of the 2024 class in 2023, Pair him with Robert Stafford and Damari Brown. You figure out which one of them can play safety, and you plug the two in at cornerback as soon as you possibly can. I know Adai is not set on allowing freshmen to be those guys at cornerback very early on, but I think Stafford is more of the project. I think you get a Desmond Ricks, even if he has a mango season, um, as what is, he, what, is, what is basically a high school super senior, right? Like he's – He's in college, but he's really a senior in high school. You're going to get that acclimation year a year earlier. He's a special player. He's a special player. And if, and if we're able to grab a Desmond Ricks and a Demario Brown, you're potentially getting the two two of the best cornerback prospects we have potentially grabbed since like a Tracy Howard, right? And I think that this staff is in a position to utilize that talent to the to their their strengths. And, and develop them the right way comparative to a, a Miami staff before that, that wasted Tracy Howard. So I'm excited at the opportunity um, to, to, for Miami to recruit blue chip level cornerbacks, because if you look at the cornerback room right now, we got some talent, right. But we've relied heavily on transfers. Um, and, and I don't know if you can continuously do that going forward. What people don't realize is when you take these transfers, right. It, it's these aren't guys that you recruited out of high school. So they come in with habits already. You want to get a guy as soon as he's 17, 18 years old. So you can acclimate him to your scheme for in a, in a four to five year stretch, maybe. So 
this is it's a difference in recruiting. It's a difference in recruiting for Miami. Um, and I think that the the progress we're seeing along the offensive line is going to be had um, at cornerback in, in, as well in this class. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Um. So, and you know, we talked a lot about recruiting. Uh. So next up is really high school football. High school football is gonna is going into their kickoff classic type of weekend. So these are essentially preseason games that high school football players take very seriously. <laughs> so they're not really preseason games because I mean the only thing that kind of makes it a preseason game is that. Coaches may pull their starters in in the second half, fourth quarter type of thing. But I don't think there's any doubt that these teams want to win these games and they're going to be playing hard to win. And a lot of these teams want to be considered national championship contenders. And if you lose essentially a preseason game, yeah, I'll I'll be in a, 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 a kickoff classic. Uh, to a team that could potentially knock you out of the national championship picture, even if you go undefeated in your regular season. So these games do matter. So um, there, there are a lot of really high profile games coming up. One of which is, is Venice and IMG, um, which is going to be an interesting game because, you know, the, they're, they're kind of cross town rivals who are not really rivals, <laughs> but they're, you know, they, they're, you know, in the same proximity, you've got Venice, who's a, you know, defending state champion and you've got IMG who is always in the national championship conversation. And, and of course, out of IMG, you've got, you know, Riley Williams, you've got Jaden Wayne, uh, five-star defensive end, and you've got uh, Francis Malagoa, now a five-star offensive tackle, as well of a, as a ton of uh, prospects. That Antonio might- Tripp. Antonio Tripp, that's right. He's he's now on the on the team at IMG. Um, totally forgot about that, man. I, I actually put out a tweet earlier that uh, Michael Van Buren is a teammates with Antonio Tripp, but former teammates now. Um, but uh. Yeah, so you've got Antonio Tripp, and then, like we said, a ton, ton of prospects like Desmond Ricks, who you mentioned earlier, uh, Samuel and Pemba, um, and Jared Gibson, the arguably the best running back, well, technically the best running back according to rivals um, of the twenty twenty four class, all going going to be in this game. So it's um, it's just a ton of guys, and, and there's a couple of uh, other guys that that Miami's looking at in this game. And then uh, Damon Wilson as well on the other side uh, uh, with Venice is, is a guy that put Miami in his top schools uh, list uh, was also at the uh, cookout um, on Coral Gables campus on, um, on Miami's campus in Coral Gables, I should say uh, not too long ago. So there's still high interest from both sides there so it's it's really interesting that i think is probably the most intriguing because you'll probably have him match up against francis malagoa so you'll really kind of get to see those two kind of line up against each other and uh see what what wilson does or what malagoa does um uh your thoughts on that game i think it's going to be an intriguing game I, I don't think that venice has enough uh to win that game um but obviously it's 
it's a kickoff classic. But IMG takes all these games serious. Uh, you see American Heritage just last season, right? They, they they played starters pretty much the entire game throughout. Carnell Tate put on a show last year. Stacey Gage put on a show. So I think we're going to see a, a breakout game for Jared Gibson, despite him just, you know, already being the number one running back in the country. Um, watch out for Winston Watkins, 2025 uh, receiver, the cousin of Sammy Watkins. He has potential to be the number one wide receiver in the class for his year. Um, and he's going to be playing a lot as a sophomore for IMG. Um, another kid to watch is Ellis Robinson, 2024 cornerback. He's like the number two cornerback in the country. Um, you know, him and him and uh, Desmond Ricks combined for maybe the best cornerback duo in the nation. So that's another guy to watch. And uh, there's just a ton of talent at IMG. You know, it's Samuel and Pemba obviously is, is a guy Miami is really high on right now. If you can add him, uh, Jaden Wayne and a uh, Ruben Bain, let's say, or a Damian Wilson, you know, that, that, that solidifies a elite pass rush group. Um, and, and once again, possibly the greatest, uh, you know, grab Miami's got out of position ever. So we, we continuously talk about that when we talk about Mario Cristobal's gift. But another uh, another thing I'm excited for uh, for this week is the is the jamboree of Shamanad Madonna, uh, Palmetto, and um, and Cardinal Gibbons. Uh, just a ton of talent on the field in that game. You get the Washington Twins for Palmetto. Jaquari Barney is going to be a name that starts popping up for Miami fans over the next year or so. He dominated in the spring, was an impact player as a sophomore last year, 2024 athlete, can play safety or receiver. Um, I think he's probably a receiver at the next level. Uh, you got Willis McGahee, the fourth, so, who's obviously Miami royalty, um, yeah. probably going to be a, a second-level linebacker at the next level. And he's a kid that could end up in the class, at, like uh, him and uh, Vincent Shavers or somebody along those lines um, who plays for pace. But, you know, he's a guy that Miami's going to be recruiting, I think, to play linebacker um, at the next level. Um, also, you got Shaman Madonna is just loaded with Miami targets. It's, they're the most star power uh, team in South Florida, not named IMG, you could argue. Uh, you know, Davion Gowes is a candidate to be the 2024 running back. Uh, you got Jeremiah Smith. You got Josiah Trader. You got Edwin Joseph playing both ways. Uh, you also got Chris Ewald, 2025 corner that was, yeah. uh, you know, who already has 20 offers, 20 plus offers, six foot one uh, as a 15 year old kid. Uh, he's going to be one of the top cornerbacks and overall recruits in the country. Um, you know, I think it, this is a star-powered game. Cardinal Gibbons has, doesn't have any real Miami recruits at the moment, but there's a lot of power five talent on that side of the field. Jesse Anderson is a pit commit, uh, wide receiver safety. So I think that, you know, these halves of football are going to be star-studded and uh, fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's going to be uh, a great, great atmosphere. Um, the fact that we get to say three, get to see three state title uh, contenders uh, all in the span of a few hours is going to be a great. It's a great way to kind of start off this football season uh, for us. So I'm really excited to kind of see, you know, what what they got, what they got going on um, uh, that during that game. And and um, I mean, there's a lot. I was trying to think of like, oh, which which player am I most excited to see? <laughs> Uh, during that day, and it's like there's so many, really. Um, but I think I'm probably most excited to see Zaquan Patterson play. 
Um, Jerry, I mean, JJ, it's like I know what JJ and JoJo can do. You know, I've seen them just be explosive and they're likely going to, you know, have a blur moment, you know, at at some point uh, in the entire jamboree. But I really want to see Zaquan Patterson uh, make make plays out there. And and I, I'm also excited to see Ed, Edwin Joseph as well. Uh, hopefully he gets some work in at cornerback. Um, and we get to see him, you know, do his thing on that side of the ball as well. Uh, Palmetto is kind of the same same thing. I'm interested to see their quarterback and and how their quarterback play is is going to play out. Um, quarterback play's kind of been basically the issue for them. Uh, they've had some loaded teams in the past uh, couple of years, but haven't quite had a quarterback that could lead them or can stay healthy enough to uh, to lead them to to the promised land. Uh, Gibbons is to me is in a rebuilding year. Uh, so they, in my opinion, I feel like they they are rebuilding. Although they do have the UCF uh, commit uh, at quarterback and risk, um, and they've got an outstanding running back in in Kamari Kamari Moten. Uh, Jesse Anderson uh, committed to Pittsburgh is is one of their outstanding receivers, and they've got plenty plenty of uh, guys on 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 the defensive side of the of the uh, field, like uh, like Traymond Drisdom and um, Adonis Allen is another guy for them as well. And uh, hey, I can't think of the the D line kid who's now Greg Otten. Greg Otten. Greg Otten is a guy that I'm hoping really kind of uh, breaks out this season. It really kind of shows what, what he can do. It's really kind of his opportunity to really show that he's that next great linebacker uh, to come out of uh, Cardinal Gibbons. Uh, but other than, other than that, uh, I think uh, the real issue with, with Cardinal Gibbons is going to be that offensive line. Um, you know, um, I, I think – Based on kind of what we saw, because, you know, you and I, we were at the, uh, the scrimmage last Saturday with uh, Cardinal Gibbons and Ely, which didn't end nicely. Let's just say that <laughs> didn't end in a nice way. Um, but during the game for what we saw, um, Ely and, and, and albeit it was only a half of play and Ely did end up end up winning eight to seven. So it was a close game. So if this was a real game, it could potentially possibly have gone either way. But still, um, it's it, it raises some concern. The, the game raised some concern about their offensive line because Ely was 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 able to get penetration. They were able to get pressure. They, they were able to kind of get into the backfield and and um, Gibbons kind of struggled to to get in a rhythm offensively. So. I mean that that's kind of what concerns me the most uh, with with Cardinal Gibbons, but um, should be an interesting jamboree overall. Yep, yep. And another game I think we got to watch out for um, that actually I'll be at. You'll be at the Shamanad game. Um, I is the Dillard Norland Jackson matchup. Um, you know Dillard's got an abundance of Miami prospects: Antoine Jackson, Chris Johnson. They also have three to four defensive linemen that could be Miami targets in 24 and 25. Um, you know, they got a number of 2026 kids. It's going to be good. Josiah uh, Miguel uh, is going to be a power five prospect in the 2026 class. 
Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what they have going on. Um, you know, uh, coming in with a lot of hype as, as arguably the team with the most talent to, to, to beat St. Thomas in 3A Metro. Um, Norland has uh, Enyo Yapor at quarterback, a 2025 kid that won the 2A uh, Player of the Year award last year. They got Javin Simpkins, who's no longer a Miami prospect, but an All-American commit. Uh, Isaiah Scott is going to be a kid with – yeah, he's committed to Georgia Tech. Um, Isaiah Scott's going to be a kid that, uh, you know, gets some Power 5 love um, as soon – you know, he's got Ole Miss and schools like that, but we'll see how that develops. He's, he's a really good player at both receiver and safety. Uh, at linebacker, defensive end, they got Jeremiah Marcellin, who is a Miami prospect. Um, he's, you know, gung-ho on, on Miami right now. He's a, more of a three-star level player, but double-digit sacks two years in a row. Um, is one of those, you know, Miami kids that, you know, if you can keep them home, you keep them home. They're, they're, you know, his positional versatility to rush the passer or just play as an off-ball linebacker is there. He's a very athletic player. Um, and then Jackson's got the twin pass rush duo, the Lumen Twins, who are 6'3", 240 pounds, looked the part, Canadian transplants that um, are being recruited by Miami as well as like Oklahoma, Georgia, Alabama. They are going to be elite-level kids. They played uh, at a lower-level competition last year at Miami International Academy, but um, is making the jump up to uh, a two-way Metro classification this year. So I'm excited to see what they do against, uh, you know, a larger level of play. Um, there are going to be kids that are going to be in that that talk of, of, of potential pass rush additions in the 2024 class. Yeah, so for me, the, that particular jamboree, the first thing that comes out to me is like, I want how, how good is Norland really? <laughs> you know, because I think they're going to be pretty good. But how good are they really? And Dillard, you can't get – you probably can't get a better – measuring stick of how good you are this season besides maybe a Chaminade or a central um then the Dillard Panthers uh, they're just going to be a really good team this year they probably have their best team in in a decade uh this 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 season and interested to see how Antoine Jackson looks the, the Miami commit the only Miami commit for the well besides the kicker uh, we do also have a, a kicker committed to the 2024 class um uh, and excited to see kind of him make plays uh, in 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 real game speed again. Um, you know, we he, we saw him uh, at camp shine at at the Legends camp, and uh, we'll we'll get to see him again. And of course, you know, we talked about Chris uh, Chris Johnson, uh, so we'll get to see him uh, do his thing against a, a pretty decent uh, Norland defense um, led by. You know, J Jeremiah uh, Marcelin, who is a, a, a good 2024 linebacker that Miami is also looking into as well. Um, so, so yeah, I, I'm definitely interested to kind of see that particular matchup and really see how they hold up against that that vaunted uh, defensive front that Dillard has with, you know, Armando Blunt and and Lloyd and, and Green. Uh, like, these, these players are are uh, to, to, to collectively, I think, one of the best, if not the best, uh, you know, group as far as uh, on the defensive side in South Florida. So want to see how they hold up. And I want to see how EJ um, Yapur holds up against that type of 
line and really kind of want to see him take that next step as a quarterback because I'm a big fan of that kid. I, I think he's he he can throw. He's just a natural uh, thrower of the football. Uh, Inio Yapur is. Um, now you know there's there, there's question maybe about you know his size, um, not being the typical size of a of a quarterback, but uh, he seems like a guy that will work to to get there and i think he's just a, a really gifted uh player and it would be it, it's going to be really interesting to see him adjust or make the adjustments to to that pass rush and to see if he's still able to kind of make plays uh under pressure so that, that those are really kind of the things i'm looking for and then you know just the, the running back battle you know the running back battle between cj and javen simpkins you know see who who, who gets more yards who, who has more production that type of thing um that, that's going to be interesting to watch as well uh the other game that we saw uh on on tap was on another canes commit which is nathaniel ray ray joseph's going to be playing this week against uh miramar uh, so what are your thoughts on on that game? Um, I think that uh, Edison's hurting this year, I, you know, outside of Ray Ray Joseph. They do have another 2024 receiver that's going to that's gonna turn some heads uh, division one-wise in Brandon Lowe. He's about six foot, six foot, 170 pounds. Uh, transfer from Carroll City is a really good player. Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to be the Ray Ray Joseph show. Um, I think that they're going to have to funnel him with targets if they want to have any level of success. Um, you know, and, and I think that, um, you know, Miramar is going to be a little, little down this year. Uh, they do have a, a kid in Trey Rigby, um, that is a solid player, probably going to be an FCS type signee. Um, so we're going to see, we're going to see what else pops up for them. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to see that matchup as two teams kind of rebuilding a little bit with a little bit of star power. Um, but I think that Ray Ray Joseph is going to be a highlight show in that game. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, excited to see that. Excited to see, you know, what highlight he produces this week because he's basically a highlight machine. And uh, uh, the other game I saw was I, I thought I, I thought I saw Heritage in, in Lounge, was it? Heritage in Lounge. It's the only real game of the weekend. It's the only real game. This game counts, um, you know, the, alluding to what you were talking about, the national championship race um, and, and, and building that resume. This is one of those games. Uh, Lowndes is the former home of Jacory Brown. Um, they have an elite level running back that that's going to, you know, oh. I'm sorry. Thomas Davis as well. I was at a Thomas Davis. Yeah. So, you know, this is going to be a big moment for American heritage to see what they have. Um, obviously it's, it's American heritage and Miami central is the two favorites in two way Metro this year. So it's Brandon Ennis's last go for a, you know, a, a state championship in the classifications. He won an independent state championship his sophomore year. But, um, you know, I think him and, and that 2023 group of Damian Fagan, Damari Brown, and Mark Fletcher, as well as Blake Murphy, a ULM commit quarterback, um, are, are gunning for that eluded state championship that they haven't, they haven't been able to grab. Um, another kid that you got to watch in this game is 2025 running back Byron Lewis. Um, he is going to be, in my opinion, uh, a top five running back in the country uh, when those rankings do come out. He's 5'11", 205, 210 pounds, running about a 4'5", 4'6", right now. He's got some receiving ability out of the backfield. Um, we're going to see a lot of two tight end sets this year with him and Mark Fletcher. And also watch the 2026 trio of receivers that American Heritage has 
Brandon Bennett runs a 10, 800 as an eighth grader was a junior Olympian in the 200. Um, you got Malachi, Tony, who is, they call him baby Jesus for a reason. Uh, he is, he is the truest. Brandon Innes has, has raved about this kid. He is target number two in that offense. Um, I think he's going to have 500, 600 yards as a freshman. Um, and then the last kid they have is Koi Jean Lewis, um, who's a clone of Josiah Trader. So, um, these are all kids that are going to be Miami targets, in my opinion. And it's going to be uh, – it's going to – this is a game with a lot on the line. You know, it's it's Florida versus Georgia. Uh, this game counts. You're either 1-0 and or, 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 you know, 0-1. and So, um, this is Heritage's first test in the pursuit of uh, that state championship for that 2023 class. I love it, man. I, I love the fact that they uh, are challenging themselves uh, really early. They did this last year. They invited IMG uh, for their kickoff classic, um, came out on the losing side then. But, you know, I, I love the fact that they're challenging themselves against, you know, one of the big teams in, in the country. And if they do win and if they win convincingly, that's going to raise eyebrows across the country. So, uh, definitely interested to see. I don't know much about the Lounge football team and, and kind of, you know, who's over there um, now, but they always always usually have a, a pretty solid team. Um, and that game is, is Saturday night, too. It's it's it, it, it kind of officially kicks off Saturday football. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how, how it all how it all turns out. And then next week and the following week is, is a really big week of high school football. We'll, we'll review that as well. Um, but the, a lot of teams will be playing uh, teams that are, are, are great on a national scale. Uh, so uh, South Florida, it's not like we just beat up on each other. We, we, we challenge uh, other schools as well from other parts of the parts of the country to really kind of show how great this, uh, you know, South Florida football is. So I'm excited to see all of the games and all of the Miami uh, commits and, and, and the uh, prospects or targets this weekend. Um, we've got our guy, Ryan Wright, that will be at the Venice uh, and uh, IMG game. And then Frank and I will be, you know, kind of scattered through the week. Um, but we'll both be at that American Heritage Lounge uh, game uh, for sure on on Saturday night. But um, anything else you you wanted to touch on? We kind of ran uh, on, on this. <laughs> yeah, we ran, we ran pretty long, and, and I'm just excited, you know, to finally kick this podcast off on a consistent basis. Um, so you know, just keep an eye out for uh, you know our shows going forward. Absolutely. All right. So until the next episode.